Hi, I'm Bjorn Roberts. I'm Jess Fishlock. This is Owen Singer-Jones. I'm Owen Vaughan Williams. This is Tash Harden. And you are listening to the Holmes Delivery Podcast. Hello and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. We are back to ramble on about the Finland and Bulgarian Nations League games which are coming up this week. We're going to talk about the lineups, we're going to talk about the opposition and we are going to make our infamous predictions. I'm with Ruth as always. Hello Ruth, how are you? Good, good morning. Well, it was doing all right until a little while ago and we all caught up with the news about the folks pulling out of the squad and uh, just trying to breathe and keep calm at the minute. Ah, it's gonna be fine. I feel like I'm saying that. <laughs> I feel like I'm saying that a lot at the minute. It's gonna be fine. Um, we will obviously get right into that. I guess that's our first kind of talking point, I suppose. Um, if you are not aware, uh, Ramsey, Ashley Williams, um, David Brooks, and someone else. Oh my God, my mind's going blank. Tyler Roberts. <laughs> Okay, oh, you know. it's been a long day at work, ladies and gents. I can apologise. Uh, it's the first day back at work, probably for about six months anyway. So my head is uh, a little bit in the shed. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, those four have pulled out of the squad. Um, uh, they've been replaced by Ben Woodburn and Brennan Johnson. I think Brennan Johnson is a, is a, is an interesting call up and a good call up. I do wonder what the value of those two coming up is at the moment, if I'm honest, given the 21s do have a game. Are they likely to feature? I'm not entirely sure about that. Yeah, it, given they're all training together anyway, I mean, I, I would have thought that what you want in terms of numbers for training purposes, you could you could facilitate without actually having to take them away from the 21s formally. Um, it just seems a, it just seems a bit strange. Uh, we were talking last week about how we thought it was a positive move for Woodburn in particular to be involved with the twenty ones, um, and the twenty ones have got a really good chance in that game. And I, I hate the idea that we're we're just pulling people for the sake of it, particularly when they're they're all training together, or at least you know could be training together anyway. Yeah, I agree. I'm not entirely convinced of the logic myself. Um, but I, I guess maybe there's some flexibility in it. I, I don't really know. And maybe he does plan to to use Brennan Johnson, perhaps. But perhaps there's an argument that he wants to to cap him because he's someone who could play for England as well. So maybe there's an element of that in his thinking uh, in that sense for him. Um, to, to look at the two teams themselves as the Finland game is coming up first, Ruth, uh, what do you think of Finland and what sort of threat do you think they're going to pose to us? So, yeah, Finland are an interesting team. Um, once you get past Timo Pukki's goals, it, it's actually difficult to see where, where their strengths are. Um, Frederick Jensen, who plays a sort of uh, a winger role for them, um, scored a couple of goals in the qualifying as well. But, but Pukki um, contributed 10 of their 16 goals in qualifying. So he is obviously their main threat and people will be familiar with his play from from watching him play for Norwich if not if not for Finland um they're a very international team I mean they literally have people scattered all over all over Europe um but they're settled they're very well organized uh the their manager's story is is interesting he um uh steered their under 21s team to the uh, UEFA Championships 
probably 10 years ago now, 11 years ago. Right. Um, and obviously that that building block, that under-21s team from them, from then has become the kind of the mainstay of their success more recently. Um, he, the coach, um, Caverna, I'm, I'm probably going to be saying that wrong. Uh, <laughs> he, he was obviously the under-21s coach, then ended up, um, taking on the, the head coach role twice as a kind of interim measure, right. whilst the Finnish FA very publicly said, he's just interim, we're looking for someone else. <laughs> um, and so he did that a couple of times. And then more recently, maybe three or four years ago, they finally gave him the contract. And obviously it's, it's worked out incredibly well for them because they've you know obviously qualified for for Euro 2020, and that was their first championship. So yeah. they're they're riding a, a wave. You know, they're on a high clearly at the minute. They might be worried about the moment. You know, being able to keep the momentum going. But I think I think every team has has got that concern at the minute. Uh, but I think their main strength is just that they're very organised and they've got one cracking you know goal scorer. I mean, it really is interesting, kind of looking through their squad. Because there's a few people that uh, fans of other teams might recognise. For example, their third choice goalkeeper is a Bristol Rovers player. Um, mm-hmm. One of their defenders, Nicholas Hamalalan. Oh God, I've done the same as you. As uh, a young player <laughs> who plays for QPR, um, they have a Rangers player in their squad, Glenn Kamara, mm-hmm. and of course Timo Puki up front. So. Um, yeah, they do have a, a big spread. The thing that struck me, actually, there's two real things that struck me when looking at their squad, is they have one or two players in pretty much every position who are very mm. experienced, well, relatively experienced. Yes. The goalkeeper, Haradeki, I don't know if I've said that right, apologies, any Finnish listeners, has 58 caps. Of their centre-halves, Uranen and Ohala have 40 and 26 each. In their midfield, the captain, Tim Sparva, 74. Then, of course, you've got Puki up front, who has 80 caps. So when you look at kind of key positions, they've got a strong spine of their team. But then after that, the drop-off is actually pretty big. There's a couple of players who are uncapped in the squad. There's, I would say, about um, uh, maybe six or seven players who are in single-figure caps. Um the thing that struck me most, however, was the goals. And I will say the same about Bulgaria, actually. But Timo Puki has got 25 international goals, which, when you think about that, is, you know, pretty impressive for a side that, whilst they've qualified this this time, have never been that great and have, up until fairly recently, been very average. Um, so I thought that was quite an impressive record. But everyone else, the next highest goal scorer is seven. Uh, mm-hmm. Then we have five and a four, and then everyone else either hasn't scored or has got one goal. So they are very goal shy, apart from Buki. So which does make you think he's that he's obviously, as we would have thought, the person to keep quiet. Yeah, I mean, I think they are bringing through a few young players. The uh, Jensen that I I remarked on that was playing for Augsburg in the Bundesliga. He's only twenty two. Um, but he's clearly a threat on the wing and, and a lot of his delivery work is obviously what's helping um, helping Timo Puki. So I, I think they're striking quite a good balance between those experienced players that you were talking about and having a solid, well-organized spine and then adding some speed and use, particularly on the wings. 
Yeah, I think that's that's the thing. I think the wide play is definitely key for them. I think they um, that's how they too try and get their service into Puki. I mean, they've often played like a four four one one, but more often than not, the one behind Puki does kind of drop off and play in part, make a five on midfield and, and kind of try and link things. So, I guess that's the areas we have to focus on. Really, is the is the fullbacks? I think will be important for us, mm-hmm. and of course the, the centre half pairing, um, whoever they may be. Um, Looking at the centre half pairing, um, our f- this is obviously our first game of the two, the away game. Um, who would your centre half pairing be? In fact, who would your back five be before we go through the rest of the team? Okay, so I'm I would start Hennessy um, because they're really there's probably just not enough evidence at the minute that you shouldn't, and he's he's done well despite limited um, club play for us of late so and until the season is really up and running and perhaps Adam Davies can put some real pressure on that position I would stay with Hennessy um I think for this game we go for a back four not a back five so I would have Connor Roberts and, and Ben Davies um and then I'm going to go Lockyer and Cabango in the centre um, it's an interesting one at the back, isn't it? I think Hennessy has to start. I don't think there's, a, there's an argument for that. Um, I'm really kind of umming and ahhing about what to do with the back four. And I think, not only do I think, but I think Giggs will do it as well. He loves um, a, a rotation and a, and a surprise selection. And I, and I think we'll see it. I think the reason he's picked only one fullback in the squad is because of Nico Williams. He can, he can play either fullback. He can play either side. So I wonder if... In the especially now in the absence of Ash, uh, Rodden and Mepham, if he will look at kind of being a bit varied there, and in doing so, bring Davis back into centre half because we know he can play there, um, and playing a lockier alongside him as you suggested with Connor Roberts on the right and Nico Williams on the left of a of a four. I, I wonder if the surprise selection he likes might be that. It's interesting, actually. I've I've put in my alternative comments. Put Davies in the centre instead of Cabango, and then Gunter, Gunter or Nico Williams on the left because Gunts can play left. He has played left back for us as well. Um, although I suspect he's more likely to put Nico in that position. Um, so I, I I can see merits in both of those arguments. Lockyer, I think, ironically, has become a bit of a mainstay in the middle. He played. All four, he played the four games at the end of last autumn's campaign um, that got us qualified. He's up to 10 caps now. Five of those are games where he's played all 90 minutes. And in those five games, he's had three different partners at the back. So the man is adaptable. Um, I don't think it would be a problem to put him with Cabango or Davies, for example. He's clearly shown that he can he can work with, with different um, centre-back partners uh so i can see an argument for for either of those dave whether you you're, you're being brave because you're putting cabango in the middle or you're being brave because you're putting nico out on the left i think i think you could go either way on those i think so and the fact for me that williams is, is a bit more kind of experienced um at a top level and i know we're really nitpicking there but for me and he's kind of in an out of the way position to an extent um plus of course you want 
we know that they're best players. Pookie, you don't want to kind of gamble on someone there. I think you're right. And, uh, you know, let's not forget Lockyer has moved back up to the championship with Luton Town this week. So he's <laughs> likely to be on a bit of a high. I don't think there's any, any discussion that he will start. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting. Looking a little bit further forward, I've gone for sticking with the same formation we have, like a 4-2-3-1. Um, I have started Ampadu, I say I've started, Ampadu and Morel uh, as the, the kind of holding two. Yeah, I would agree with that. I was tempted to consider Will Vokes and Morel, um, but in the end I, I went for, for Ampadu and, and Morel as well. Um, really, I was I was looking to try and kind of minimise the changes from the Hungarian game. Because really, at the minute, you've got no kind of, well, you've got no play, current play, to really warrant making too many other decisions. So I think I was kind of trying to prioritise how we, we were set up against Hungary and the, the force changes um, that have come about. Obviously, we're, min- we're minus Allen, uh, we're minus Mepham, we're minus um, Ramsey. And then kind of minimise the resulting changes based on that. And give and given Ampadu effectively played a half in that game, he kind of fitted into my thinking of not making more changes than we needed to, which is why I ended up with Ampadu and Morel as my, my holding pair. Yeah, I, I did think about Volks in there as well myself. I, I just think that Morel has earned his place as the as the first replacement, if you know what I mean, after the way mm-hmm. he played in the Azerbaijan game and, of course, the Hungary game as well when he was involved. Um, I would. Do you think there's any merit in having Morel and Volks in there and possibly putting Ampadu in the D? I think perhaps, again, that was something that did cross my mind. I, I just think that he's only ever played for Wales in midfield. Um, I, I think that's where we are trying to play him moving forward. I, I think when he played in a in a friendly uh, for Chelsea, he played in midfield rather than as a centre-back as well, uh, not a couple of days ago or maybe a week or so now ago. I've lost track of time, but um, I, I, I don't think so. And I think that his passing range and his um, agility and his ability to kind of hunt the ball down, I think he's too good to take out of that situation. And I think that, that as I say, ultimately that's where we're grooming him to play. So I don't think it kind of makes sense as a short-term gamble almost to, to kind of change that position around. No, I, I would agree. I think you you might as well take a gamble on Cabango or the other arrangement we were talking about with Nico on the left as Port Ampadu in the middle. And the and the first two might actually give you traction for the future, whereas I, I, I agree with you. I think Ampadu's going to end up being a holding midfielder for yeah, us going forward. I, I think so. Um, and I do think it's interesting, we talked a lot about strength in depth recently. And whilst we do have an exciting selection of attacking players, I do think Brooks pulling out takes away really the only decision that Giggs may have had to have make made sorry in terms of who plays in that kind of three because I think Wilson will now slot into the number 10 James stays out on the left Bale stays out on the right and and, and Kiefer Moore up front I don't see any reason to change that I don't see any I don't see that there's really any kind of viable alternative uh, to start that game anyway yeah, originally, like this time yesterday, I was thinking it was kind of a straight choice between 
James on the left and Bale on the right versus Brooks on the right and Bale on the left. That's kind of, I, you know, I was thinking that's kind of where the decision lies. Um, so I'm with you in the sense that I think you might as well stay with the, with the pairing of Bale and James on the wings as it is. But I would, cons- I would consider putting Johnny Williams in the middle over Wilson. I think in the games where he kind of took that, that um, replacement role that we know is really Ramsey's, I think, I think that went, just went more smoothly than putting Wilson in there. I mean, I, I do know what you mean. I do agree to an extent, but I think for me, I like Johnny a lot and I think he does harry and press players and he does kind of support the striker in that sense. But I, I just feel like he's not good enough off the ball. Um, uh, on the ball, sorry. I don't think he's good enough on the ball to kind of make enough of a difference because I, I think we need type of players in this game who are going to break them down. They're very compact. They're very workmanlike for want of a better term. And I think we need a little bit of magic. And I think... We don't necessarily need a, a, a grafter and a grinder, so to speak. And I think Wilson you, possesses a bit more. I was going to say pizzazz. Um, you can tell. You can, <laughs> that might be stretching. Yeah, it a bit. I was going to say you, you, you can tell. I've been in music department meetings all day by using that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I I I think he has a bit more of that something that we we need to unlock a team like this compared to to, to Johnny. Do you think there's more merit in Johnny perhaps being in the Bulgaria game, playing in the Bulgaria game? Then? Well, yeah, I, it's interesting actually. To to, to move forward, I'm, 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 we've pretty much picked the same side there, really, haven't we? With with a few slight variations at the back. I'm, pres- I'm, I'm presuming we're going for Kiefer Moore up front. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't <laughs> see, I don't see any any, why, any reason why not. Um, yeah. To look at the Bulgaria side. Um, they're quite an interesting side, actually, looking at their results. They've only won twice since September 2018, which was a, a Nations League game against Cyprus, which they won 2-1, and their final Euro 2020 qualifier against the Czech Republic, albeit that was, was a dead rubber. Um, they, the Czech Republic have already guaranteed second in their group, and the Bulgarians couldn't achieve anything in their group. Um, and they, they, that was their only win of the entire group as well, which I was really surprised at. They've played 12 games in that time and only twelve uh, and only two wins. Both of those games came at home as well. So when you, when you look at our uh, home record, which is very strong, and their away record, which is poor, um, that kind of bodes well for us. They've only actually won twice since March 2016 away from home, which I was really surprised about. Um, one of those was a friendly against Northern Macedonia. So, I mean, I think their away record is poor. Um, if you were going to bet, I think the uh, one of the most interesting things is they do love a draw. They have drawn a lot of their games. In, again, in their qualifying group, a lot of games that they got points from were, were draws. I think five of them um, in the Euros qualifiers were draws as well. So it is quite interesting uh, in that respect. The, the current squad is quite inexperienced, to be honest. The most caps being Peter Zanes, who has 43 caps, but 15 of their squad have single-figure caps, which I thought was unbelievable, really. Um, mm-hmm. They are low on goals. Their top, their, their, the top scorer in the current squad, Georgi Kostadinov, has three international goals, and that is their top scorer. Only seven of their squad have scored goals internationally, and um, only six of them have 20 or more caps. So it's a very, very inexperienced squad. And, and I think they are, we, you talked a little bit about um, Finland kind of 
in their sort of transition-ish phase coming to the end of that. And I think this is the start of a transitionary phase for the Bulgarians. Their former captain, uh, Ivalin Popov, has retired and, and with him has gone the biggest chunk of the, of the goals in the squad as well. So um, I, I feel like this could be a game to kind of make changes. They're 59th in the world rankings and we are 23 for, for reference. So looking at the kind of statistical side of things, I think we have every chance of beating them. And I think they are a side we can look to attack. Um, one one more thing is I found interesting is that they play the same sort of formation that we do. We They also play like a, a 4-2-3-1 as well. So I think the thing that struck me about that, and I mention it, is because I think it gives us an opportunity to kind of really attack them man for man. I think we're a better team than them in pretty much every position. Um I remember watching them in the England game in their qualifying group at Wembley and England won 6-0 and whilst they did have a few kind of chances on the break they looked to attack quickly and wide they looked at just a mess at the at the back and I, and I think we have got some players who are really capable of exploiting that um and I think that that would kind of reflect in my changing uh, lineup a little bit um, to run at them with pace and, and, and try and fright them a bit. So yeah, I, I would I would change for the uh, for the second game. So what would you change up? The only person I've left off that I can't kind of make my mind up if, it's, if there's a value to it is Adam Davis because he is playing. He was playing the end of the season. He's playing again mm-hmm. now for for Stoke in preseason. So that bodes well for him. I'm not sure if it might be worth capping him. Um, but then I know I'm aware we've got friendly games coming up, so maybe that will come. But I, I guess ultimately Hennessy starts in goal, um, and then I would mix it up at the back a bit. As I say, their kind of goal threat is fairly limited, and I don't think you're going to mm-hmm. get a better opportunity in a competitive game to give someone game time. So for me, I would stick Ben Davies back out to left back. I'd start Cabango and Lockyer, and then Roberts at right back. I mean, you could start Gunter there. I don't know whether he would do that just for the sake of it given it's mm-hmm. pre-season and give everyone some minutes, but that would be my back five, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I I think I would lean towards, if you haven't played Cabango in the Finland game, you're starting him in this one, and, and perhaps, perhaps vice versa with Nico, as it were. Just of the permutations we were talking about earlier, whichever one you haven't done in the Finland game, you kind of do for this one. Yeah, I think I think that's sensible, and I think uh, there will have to be some sort of rotation. Realistically, players have had a big spell off, and they've had a lot of games in a short space of time, and then you know most of them have had about two weeks off, and they've gone straight back to preseason. I, I think yeah. this window is kind of prime for injuries, and I think clubs will be making gigs aware of that. I'm sure the players will be making gigs aware of that. I mean, just to take a slight left turn, I, I'm sure that the reason that Brooks and Ash. In reality, the reason they've dropped out is they've probably got very slight niggles. They're in the process of trying to sort themselves out new clubs, perhaps, and, and in Brooks's case, trying to be sold. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, they don't want to risk themselves. I think Ramsey's got a new manager coming in. He doesn't want to risk injuring himself. He's desperate to impress Pirlo. Um, and, and even perhaps the same with Tyler Roberts. He probably played a lot of football towards the end of the season. He wants to get a full preseason and fight for his place at Leeds and, and get a, a, a starting spot in the Premier League. So, because they've just signed a new player as well, like an attacking player as well. So maybe the, the, you know those are kind of playing into it. So as a consequence, I think they are desperate to kind of use this time to stay as fit as they can. And equally, I think a lot of the players in the squad will be looking at this as an opportunity to yes, get some game time, but also to kind of be rotated and not overplayed in in what is, you know, a lot of people's first competitive game when you look at our squad for, for quite a while. 
yeah, to, as you say, to go off on that that particular tangent, whilst it's incredibly disappointing not not to have those guys in the squad right now, I think we're far better better off with them playing safe. So even if they've got the tiniest the tiniest niggle, just let's just let everybody have a calm preseason and not not throw them into competitive games. Um, I c- I can understand Ramsey in particular wanting to be extra cautious right at the minute um and if you know if gigs is comfortable that that we can potentially handle these two teams um without ramsey i think in the longer term we're we're better off ensuring that aaron has a, a calm and good start to this season in italy and and he is so key for us that actually nailing down the what do we do when he's not available? We do actually need to nail that down. We, we, we're almost, it's almost worth us having some games where we either commit to Wilson or we commit to Johnny Williams or, you know, we, commit, we make a commitment to who is going to be in that middle zone if Ramsey's not available because playing that style with him holding things together in the middle clearly works very well for us. So in the end, I don't think um, I think it might not be a bad thing that we've had to address it at this point in the year. I agree, especially with World Cup qualifiers relatively, you know, just around the corner. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, that's the big problem, I guess. The flip side to that is these are big games in the in the context of those World yeah. Cup qualifiers, because obviously this decides the seeding. Um, so these are two big games. It is important to get off to the to a good start and make sure we kind of creep up the rankings a little bit and see if we can get ourselves mm-hmm. in a in one of the top pots for the for the seeding for the Euros. I think that'd be massive for us. So. Uh, for the World Cup qualifiers, sorry. So I, I, I really think that it's key that we do get off to a good start and missing those players as a consequence of that is obviously a shame for us. So yeah, I, I do totally agree with your, with your logic. It's just a shame that it comes now. Perhaps in the next window when we've got Ireland, we've got a friendly, then it might be a would have been an easier time to address it but I mean I don't I don't blame anyone I saw a lot of things on Twitter today people like oh he's missed you know like slagging him off basically for how many games Aaron Ramsey's missed and I think uh, Aaron Ramsey loves playing for Wales and I don't think there's any kind of question that uh, he's probably whilst he underscores he's doing this for 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 himself for a selfish reason if you like I don't think there's any question of his loyalty and his uh, and how much he cares about playing for Wales. No, and like I said, I think this this might actually work for us in the end. Um, just going back to the discussion about Bulgaria, um, I wonder also whether they're going to have an eye on the next window because they actually have a a, a playoff game, don't they, for the for yeah. this very convoluted Euro twenty twenty qualifying the, the the Nations League places that the four places that still remain up for grabs. Um, So they've got a home game against Hungary coming up in October, which if they win, they then host Iceland or Romania for a place, um, a place uh, in next summer's tournament. So I can see that for them, this, this nation's league doesn't necessarily feel perhaps as important as it does for us because they're, they're much more focused on on what's happening in October. 
Yeah, it's, it is quite an odd thing that we're starting the Nations League, the World Cup qualifiers on the horizon. We should have had the Euros, yet some people haven't finished qualifying for it here. <laughs> it's, uh, it's quite a bizarre setup, really. So, And I would argue, uh, just, to on, just to continue with that, you know, we're playing them at the end of the next window. Um, they've got the, the, the qualifier against Hungary, then they play Finland, and then three days after that, they play us so you know three games in in six you know six days really so I wonder if you know that will aid us moving forward I appreciate I'm looking far down the line now but yeah you're right it is an interesting one and I think you're probably right they care less about this nation they on reflection they're probably thinking are they gonna top this group with Wales hung uh Finland and Ireland probably not let's focus elsewhere so um I think I think you are right with that as well um just to finish moving back to our to the actual starting 11 um which we got sorry that was my fault we got very sidetracked <laughs> there um i i just want to talk a little bit more about the midfield because again we we talk about strength in depth um and i just wonder really i i just don't see a way that ampadu and morel don't start at least both games because Matt Smith, who was someone we didn't really focus on when we did the squad announcement pod, but I think he can sound count himself fairly lucky to be in this squad on the basis that with the fact we don't really have many kind of central midfielders. Um, and I, I don't know, I, I don't really see that there's an alternative there. I wouldn't want Matt Smith to start. Volks is the only option, so maybe you'd bring him in, but I don't know if it's worth bringing him in just because for the sake of it. I think those two are a good pair in Ampadu and Morel. I think they'll both be around for a long time. I think it's good for them both to get game time. I see no reason for that to change. I think you might change it just because of the particular circumstances right now where pe- where people are, you know, a bit heavy-legged starting the season, not not ready to play two lots of 90 minutes quite so close together with the travel involved and that sort of thing. You know, just in terms of um treating everybody a bit gently i think you, i can see you perhaps putting folks in um and maybe matt smith for a half if the if things are going well um I'm, i mean i'm with you i think if if all things being equal you'd you'd stay probably with ampadu and morel um when you haven't got joe allen to yeah. contribute but i but i can see some i can see some merit in changing things up a little bit uh, in these particular circumstances, I think uh, I, I think the thing for me is we, you know, yes, we need to be mindful of the players and the situation, but I also think it's worth bearing in mind that we do really need to win this, and I and I think we are missing a couple of stronger players, especially defensively, as well as obviously the, the you know your Ramses as well. So I do feel that that is a strong area, a, a pitch story of the area which needs kind of strengthening in it, strengthening. Oh my god! Um, but um, I, I think as a consequence of that, I don't, I, I don't. For me, I'd be disappointed if you changed those two. Um, Looking a bit further forward again, um, I, again, can't see a reason why Moore doesn't start up front. I think you could maybe bring Hal back in, but I, I'm not, I, I would see that more as an impact sub if we needed it. Um, in reality, I think this is where we might see it mixed up a bit. I think uh, James has played a lot of football uh, for Man United this season. He definitely looked leggy at the end of the season. I know he didn't play that, they didn't get that many minutes, but I mean, he did look leggy when he came on. I think he needs a break. I think Matondo 
um, would be worth a run out. I think his pace would frighten them, and I think his pace would kind of pin back their wide players a bit, which is um, a key part of their attack. So I think that's obviously where the threat, and I'd, I'd go bail on the other side and just to mix it up. I think they won't like being harried and pressed on the ball, and I think that is the sort of thing that Johnny Williams does bring, as I said before. So for me, that three behind more would be Matondo, Johnny Williams, and Bale. Yeah, I think on the assumption on your plan that you've played Wilson in the first game, then I, you know, I, I think he'd be going Johnny Williams in this one. I mean, I might argue that you reverse that, but I agree with you in terms of giving Matondo a, a proper run out as opposed to just. 10 minutes here or there. Um, I think that his pace in particular would, would really frighten them. I'd be interested to get a good look at him as well because I, I, I've <laughs> got to say, every time I see him, I, I see a lot of promise, um, a lot of pace, a lot of threat, a lot of dynamism, but not a lot of end product. I, as I'm sure we all did in lockdown, watch some German football because it was the only football that was on. And I found him very frustrating to watch. <laughs> I, I, my my friend, football Chris, uh, Chris, who I play football with, he, uh, <laughs> he, he watches... I know. <laughs> Uh, he makes uh, he watches a lot of German football and he uh, watches uh, said he watched a lot of Schalke and he was just like he was he said he didn't care who won or lost the games but he was very annoyed watching him play <laughs> such was his inconsistency so I do think he needs that time for us if he is going to develop and be kind of become a player for us in the future so I think that's very very important yeah I think you could have made the same case for Tyler Roberts before he um, before he pulled out as well that he might have merited um, a run just to, just to see with exactly the same sort of reasoning, just help help him embed and, and see what he can do within our framework. Uh, but given that's not now an option, I, I think it's Matondo. Uh, given the Tyler Roberts pullout, um, was there ever going to be a better time for Deutsch to get <laughs> to get a secondary I'd- call up? I just don't understand. I just don't understand what's going on there, Dave. I can't. I, I can't make any argument that we didn't put in the last pod. And with the with the pull the pullouts from the squad, it, it seems like even more of an opportunity to drag him in. I, um, I agree. Yeah, with- it's just Sorry. it's just very strange to me. I mean, even I don't know. Even Ryan Hedges is. I mean, he got a hat trick the other day for Aberdeen. I mean, he's clearly in form as well. You know, so what, I, I don't understand why we're not pulling, why we didn't pull in a striker from, uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I agree. I mean, it does make you think that more is, I mean, going to start both games if he didn't bother kind of pulling someone else up. One thing I did want to, to say, I've been watching, as I'm sure other people have, the uh, the gigs documentary that, the FAW and Tiny Welsh Media have put out, and it's, it's, it's a great watch. But I was watching the ep- one of the episodes the other day, episode four, and in kind of like a, it's a camera interview, he said, the key for me is playing players who are fit. I can't set up a side with players who can only play 60 minutes, then they have to come off and you have to change your plans. Now, that really struck a chord with me because mm. when you think about Doidge, he is... All of our strikers, possibly all our attacking players, uh, he's the only one who is playing regularly. And I include your your Brookses, your Wilsons, your mm. Tyler Robertses, Bale. He is the only yep. one who is playing regularly, has been scoring regularly for a fairly long time. He is match fit because the Scottish League has started. 
I, I, I guess he's not going to replace more and more has been playing recently for Wigan and now obviously in pre-season games for Cardiff. So I guess he is fit enough. But as, a, as at least a, a backup choice, you have to say by the premise of what Giggs himself has put out there that he has to get the call up. And it just, it must make, it just makes me think that one of two things has happened. Either he's called him up and said, I'm going to call you up, you're going to be on the bench. I might not pick you for either game. And Doy just said, look, I'm, I'm not having that. I want to fight for my place uh, and keep my place in the Aberdeen team, uh, in the Hibs team, sorry. Um, or there's just been absolutely no contact whatsoever. And, and for whatever reason, Giggs just doesn't fancy him. And, and you'd feel that someone has to ask him this in the, in the build-up to this game. And mm. someone has to kind of present him that. And he has to face that as a, as a genuine question because... It is quite odd, you know, as we all know. Yeah, I, I, I can't, I can't disagree. I mean, we, we explored this um, last week, didn't we? It doesn't make any sense on the basis that Giggs has always said that he's looking for players who are getting playing time um, for exactly the reason that you you pulled out in that quote. You know that that was the problem with playing Ampadu, for example, through the last qualifiers was you could get a half out of him, but you couldn't get a game out of him. And the irony is, you look all over our team, and we've got that issue. You know, there's there's so many of our players that are playing half measures in games. And here you've got someone who, exactly as you said, is scoring goals and is knocking out 90 minutes regularly. How can we not see that as an asset? Yeah, I mean, like I say, I hope it, it gets brought to gigs and I hope, you know, there's, uh, I hope he's got a genuine answer for it because I, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's fair that the, the question is asked. Um, to look at the things that we are best at, Ruth, I want us, <laughs> <laughs> I want us to do some predictions. Um, I will go first with the Finland game. Um, I think, I think we're going to win. I think they did get through the Euros group pretty well, but when you look at the group itself, you know it wasn't that challenging. A group, Italy kind of ran away with it. Um, yeah, it was weird. They they won six games. I mean, two of those were against Liechtenstein. It's it was a funny old group. I will give you that. Yeah, and I think Armenia might have been one of the other sides. Yeah, and, that's and, right. And yeah. Greece, I think. Um, so it was a funny group. Bosnia were in there as well. I feel like Greece may have been in the Nations League. Actually, I've said that, but anyway. Um, no, no, you, no, you're right. right. They they beat Liechtenstein twice, Armenia twice, Bosnia once, Greece once. That's how they got their six wins. Um, and you know, in that were heavy defeats against Bosnia. They lost four one. Um, they lost to Greece, who are a, a very poor side at the minute. Um, so yeah, I, I just I'm just not sure. They lost to Hungary in the Nations League um, last time around. Um, so I, I just, I just kind of fancy us. I think they're workmen. Like I think the big thing is they thrive on getting the ball to Pookie. I think they they're the sort of team who need one chance and they'll take it. So I think if we can starve them of that supply, which we're more than capable of, I, I think we're kind of capable of of getting the better of them. Relative, I don't want to say easily because it is away from home, but I think we are more than capable of getting the better of them. So I think Pookie probably will score. Um, against you know an untested back line but I think we've got goals in us and I think we will win 2-1 okay I I think hand on heart I probably agree with you we should win um 
but I I wonder whether whether the whole kind of backdrop at the minute players being half fit having to change our our back line fairly dramatically although we've done that with regularity recently yeah. um I, I wouldn't surprise me if it ends up as a 1-1 draw just because we haven't quite got our act together yeah I can see that I mean my argument back to you would be that they are in the position where they probably haven't played much football together either um yeah so I, that does go both ways um yeah, I don't know. It'll be an interesting one. I, I got to say, a, a draw. One, I was battling my head between one-one and two-one, but I just think that looking through their team, they're quite inexperienced. They haven't got many goals in them, and I do think, despite the missing players that we have or haven't got, that we, we've we've got more than enough. I think um, to to kind of make the most of that. Um, looking forward to Bulgaria. What have you got? I'm I'm actually going to go with a two-one to us in that game. Okay. I think the changes at the back for us, I can see it just going wrong somewhere along the, <laughs> the way. And even though Bulgaria haven't got a lot of goals in them, some, some something silly. We, you know, we don't pick up a defender from a free kick or a corner. A, a defender doesn't pick someone up; they should from a free kick or a corner or something. Um, but again, I think we've got enough, more than enough threat going forward. There as you were saying before, very inexperienced. They're, they're building, but they're very inexperienced. So I, I, I feel that's a game, well, it's a game we should definitely win. So I'm going 2-1 on that one. Yeah, I think we will win. I'm going to go 2-0. I think our home record is good. Their away record is bad. They haven't got goals in the side. They're in a, you know, in the midst of a transition. They've, they probably are going to be players making their international debut. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got bigger fish to fry further down the line. I just don't see, I don't see anything other than a win for us here, and I don't see them scoring. I don't really see them being too much of a threat. So, um, that is what I'm going for two nil. Um, just very quickly because I need to go and have my tea. Um, <laughs> um. I tweeted out earlier in the week about Stoivenberg, Albert Stoivenberg, Albert Stoivenberg. Sorry, he's got um, the job at Arsenal alongside Mikel Arteta. He is still kind of contracted to the end of the Euros, and obviously the Euros hasn't happened yet. But he's not joining us on this camp, and we're sort of kind of playing musical chairs a bit in terms of. I think Rob Page is now going to be Giggs's assistant in the short term, and then Stoivenberg will be back for the next round of games. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wondered just very quickly what you thought on that and, and whether you think this, the loss of Osh, now the loss of Stoivenberg will kind of have an effect on Giggs and, and the team or um, or not. And, and also, if you if you think it's that important that we replace him or we can just kind of continue to move people around until we find the right fit. I don't think we're going to see much evidence in, in this one window, uh, particularly as it's my understanding as you were saying that he'll be back and he'll see things through with the with the squad through next summer uh, so i i think at the minute you're just you, you're just as you say musical chairs a little bit right now for this window um i do think we have shown both with coleman and osh and then gigs and Stoibenberg that a partnership with the second person a very good technical coach is beneficial to us. So I think, I do think it's a role we'll want to look at filling 
but I think this is a this this time next year discussion really. See, I disagree with you there. I think it is important that we have the discussion now. I I, I don't mean any disrespect for Stoivenberg. I, I don't. Uh, I'm not critical of him taking the job. I think it's the right decision for his career. I'd imagine, and I'm, I'm sure they're play, they're paying more money than the FAWR. But I really don't like the idea of we're in this temporary holding pattern for a year against coming in the build up to a good tournament. And I'm and I'm sure that you know anyone who's uh, you know, ever worked somewhere before and they've handed in their notice, you've got to work your last month of your notice. I think cards on the table, I think we can all say we probably don't give 100% in that last month. And, you know, when someone else is coming in to take the job on, you're kind of a bit le- less asked about the whole thing. And I feel like Stoivenberg, rightly so to an extent, he's not Welsh, would have his eyes on the prize at Arsenal. And, you know, they've they've just won the FA Cup. They've won the Charity Shield community shield whatever it's called these days and i and i just think he'll kind of keep i don't want to say pulling out but of, of, you know his eyes his head is turned and i feel like we need to replace him and i think you're right i think the importance of a coach and someone who gigs kind of fancies as his number two is really really important for us and i think we're you know let's not forget here why do we if the, he's jump chip he's not doing us any favors fine why are we doing him a favor like not a favor necessarily but we sh- he this is one of the biggest things that's ever happened to Welsh football playing in the Euros again, and we should be building towards that with someone who's gonna has got a vision for the future and wants to help us improve and you know this is their number one priority and I, and this isn't for him and again I'm not being critical of him for that I understand the the decision he's made and everything else, but I do think that we're being a bit short sighted in 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 that regard. I understand what you're saying about his his head being turned, but is it not really a consequence of just the timing and the move the move the move of the tournament to next summer? From his CV point of view, if we have a successful Euro 2021, that's definitely going to help his his coaching career going forward. Uh, so I'm not sure that there isn't something in it for him. In fact, I think there is something in it for him, for us to be successful and for him to, to give it the time and attention that it's need that's needed. I agree with you. I don't think it's a good sign that he's not come to this camp. It makes, you know, that I think is more of a red flag for me. Um, I think if Giggs has someone else in mind and someone else he feels he can work with and that person is good to go for the October window, then I would, you know, I would be inclined to say, yes, thank you very much, Albert, but we're moving on. This is just, you know, part of circumstances. But if this is at the minute, the person that Giggs favours as his right-hand man, then then I, I would just go with that personally. I mean, I, I do know what you're saying, but, uh, well, it's just two things, because otherwise, you you know, as as you often say, we are gonna, just going to go around in circles here. <laughs> um, but, I mean, I, I know what you're saying. There is something in it for him, per se. By the same token, if Mikel Arteta says to him, you know, by Christmas, look, mate, we're struggling here. We're having a bad start to the season. I need you here. I can't have you distracted. We're paying you all this money. Do you think he's going to say to him, Sorry, uh, Mikel. I uh, it really matters for my CV. Or is he going to say, "Do you know what? I've got to I've got to look where my bread is buttered, or whatever the expression is." And he'll think, "Look, sod, sod, sod Wales." Um, and I and I and I again, I'm not being critical of him 
at all. I think I totally understand what he's done and why he's done it. He's a uh, he's a professional coach. He's Dutch. He's not Welsh. I I I, I do completely understand that. Um, with all of that said, I mean this. Uh, my my final point is that he's been the Arsenal assistant for, uh, assistant. Sorry, um, for quite a while now, and I mean it started around Christmas. We are now a full six, seven, or, sorry, almost nine months, in fact, now I'm thinking about it, down the line. Um, and we haven't made a move to to replace him. I, I just, as much as anything else, I feel like it's short-sighted. Gigs, that's, you know, and the FAW have had a long time to solve this problem. Um, and and he hasn't. And I, again, I'm, I, I'm just, I just feel like we're just letting this rumble on and by not solving the problem I would say it's actually worsening the situation rather than bettering it because by the time we get to the end of the Euros we you know there might be someone else who comes in and has a total new suggestion of play in which we might like the idea of and we kind of ripping things up and starting again which I know is maybe a bit extreme but I don't know for me I think it's gone on a long time and I I think that allowing him to to continue and, and run into 18 months of, of working for Arsenal. I, I I don't know. Maybe not 18 months. That's a lie. Sorry. But, um, well, yeah, actually not far off by the time the actual Euros comes around. I, I just don't know whether it's... I don't know if his eyes will still be on the on the, on the the prize. I don't know. I, I, for me, I think something needs to be done about it sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I think my view is just that if this is the working relationship that's that's working for gigs right now i i will just tolerate the rest of it well <laughs> fair enough <laughs> tolerating it is obviously i think the the only way we are doing it um okay i don't know about you but i do not have anything else to add no can we just say good luck to the to the lads absolutely um, yeah good luck just cannot wait for a bit of football i know for a bit of international football it's been it's been a long long time i think february was the last game um so yeah something something to look forward to to say the very least and uh hopefully we come back with two positive results we will be doing a review pod uh, after the two games so keep your eyes and ears peeled for that next week ruth has done a blog on the uh, uh, England potential uh, the England friendly sorry that's coming up uh, so please go and have a read of that um, also the Welsh football fans are doing a lot of great articles uh, and blogs at the moment so please follow them on Twitter Facebook and keep an eye out on the website for those um, that was a great bit of marketing actually then I'm really quite proud of myself <laughs> uh, <laughs> I need to I need to start yeah exactly I need, to, I need to start charging more money um, but yes thank you very much for listening ladies and gentlemen uh Good luck to the boys, enjoy the games, and we will speak to you soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye.